everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Roost Podcast. As always, I am Carter Spires, here with my co-host Matthew Bartlett, the director and managing editor of The Roost, your premier source for Rice Sports news and analysis. The Roost Podcast is part of the Dave Campbell's Texas Football Republic of Football Podcast Network. Well, all right, after weeks and weeks and many weeks of guests, uh, I was... Uh, Based on Skype, it looks like maybe the last time we recorded just the two of us together was in like April. So, uh, wow, we, <laughs> we had to we had to figure out that again. We both uh, had to remember where to go at first to do a call with just the two of us. But you know what? We're back into it and we're ready to go. And we're going to be uh, previewing the Rice offense this week. We have we're actually talking about the 2023 Rice Owls for the first time in several months. Yeah, which means, you know, pinch me. It means like, I mean, I was at the first day of, like, I've been at fall camp, so I know it's, I know it's about to start, but like, I don't know. It's, I still am not going to believe it until maybe we get to like, we, we, probably when week zero happens and I'm like, oh, there's actual football. Oh, Rice plays next week. Then I'll kind of be like, oh yeah, I gotta, I gotta figure out my road trip plans for Austin and get more food wrecks. I say food wrecks. I always eat at the same place. I'm not I'm not a very adventurous traveler unless I get recommendations. So this is a call, actually. If you have Austin food wrecks for week <laughs> one, uh, please send them in at the roost. We're here for you. Or rather, I want I want to eat your food yeah, suggestions. But you want them to be here for you. Yes, I this you know, this is a uh, it's you know, time for the audience to get a back give to and us. take. Yeah, we need your help. <laughs> <laughs> get there. We'll get food. We'll get football, and I guess actually, along with this being the first time with just the two of us talking, we actually have like exclusively rice this week. Not a no, no AAC opponents, no uh, just South Main football. Specifically, the offense, and uh, as I, I, I guess to introduce our, us to our topic, as head coach Mike Bloomerin wanted to make it known last week when I chatted with him. It's not just JT and the owls. <laughs> and he said that, and I, I got what he was trying to say. Like there's so many other players on this team that are good other than quarterback JT Daniels. But also I'm like, please get that on a t-shirt. Like I need JT like lead guitar. And yeah, like it's a, it's a retro band shirt for sure. I think Dean, Dean Connors is probably our drummer. That fits. He's got uh, that vibe. I, I, there's got to be a, t- a tight end has to play bass. We'll figure it out. This, so we're talking about offense today. We're going to sign <laughs> our all offense rock band as we go. <laughs> It'll be good. Should we? Uh, should we? Where should we start? Actually, I'll, I'll I'll toss it over to you. We got a handful of offensive positions and a quarterback and plenty of question marks couple of questions yeah um well i guess it's, it's not the owls and jt it's jt and the owls so uh we might as well go quarterback <laughs> since we feel good about it for uh the first time or second time uh under this coaching like it just we're going into fall camp we know who the starter is just like flat out point blank not like have a pretty good idea not like probably this guy but we're not sure what level he's gonna play at so maybe we're hoping somebody steps up it's just like yeah there's a guy and we're reasonably confident that he's gonna be a pretty good quarterback so that's a nice feeling to have 
Yeah, like I was kind of th- when I was thinking through previous returning options and most year it's been like, hey, we're in week one, week two. Are we sure this is the guy? And this year he is the guy. And I mean, like we're all going down with the ship. Like it is JT Daniels show this year. And I can't fathom a world in which he flames out. But if he does, man, it's going to be bad. But I don't think that's going to happen. I've seen enough of him at this point to know if he's healthy he's going to be a good quarterback for rice and man, I, we, we've kind of like, I think when he came aboard in like December, we talked philosophically of like, man, how cool would this be? But now that like I've sat through and I've watched what five weeks of spring ball and kind of saw him perform, I'd see him throw uh, in the opening weeks of fall camp now. And he's, he can make the throws and throw guys open and the touch he has on the deep ball. I mean, we have JT Daniels and Luke McCaffrey on the team. So like you could just chuck it up and say, Luke, go get it. And like, I'm pretty sure he can go get it. So there's going to be some points. And I mean, kind of not, you can't boil the entire offense down to the fact that there's a quarterback, but Carter, is it okay if I boil the entire offense down to the fact that Rice has a quarterback? Yeah. I mean, there are positions of con- like concern and uncertainty, as we'll see. But, like, it, it is both a floor and a ceiling raiser to have, um, like, at the very least, steady play at quarterback. Um, and that's something that they haven't had a whole lot of. Uh, over the past several years and so it's it's gonna be nice to see like it you know we've made the comparison a lot of times and with guests here and all that about uh mike collins but like mike collins didn't light the world on fire in his what like two and a two and a half games as a starter at rice but like he was just really good yeah and they didn't win every game during that stretch but like they it just it gave them a baseline level of comp of competence and a baseline level of, of ability on offense and ability to do things and move the ball that uh, we just haven't seen a whole lot of. And I think that that just gives me a whole lot of, it takes away a lot of the anxiety for this season. Yeah. And what I think it, it, it is in, most interesting for me, because I feel like it gives us, it's going to give us an answer for a theory now that we've had for the past five seasons under Bloomgren. Maybe you throw out 2018 was just kind of like, hey, we're hitting the reset, whatever. But the past couple of years, the theory has been, hey, this roster is is good. It's better than it's been in quite some time. Like there's talent. We're going we're gonna to go position, position on offense. We'll get there. We'll talk defense later. But we go through and like, man, if you just have functional quarterback play, this is a bowl team. Like that's been kind of, at least for the past two years, I think that's kind of been kind of our baseline of what we kind of our theory. And I think back to last year, like, yeah, they, they won some games and kind of pulled out some close ones. But like, I think about like the Florida Atlantic game where the offense just basically disappeared for like 45 minutes. And man, we kept saying like there were some inter- some turnovers in there and just not getting that big play at the end. And 
I don't think this is at the point where like, man, we put it all on JT Daniels' shoulder and and everything gets better. We've seen Kumbaya, but I think that there were a couple moments in the past couple seasons where we you were sitting there and you're like, man, we just we need points on this drive. And it just didn't happen. And I think the points per drive, I think that number increases a little bit. And if you're getting a little bit more scoring, I it's I think it raises all boats. And so I think we get our test. Rice has a competent quarterback. Do they have enough infrastructure around him so that it matters? You know, my my theory is yes, but we're one way or another, we are going to know <laughs> this year. That yeah. that and that will be answered, which feels really good to actually be able to say something definitively about this. Yeah. And while we're here, we might as well throw AJ Padgett, the clear backup with TJ McMahon gone. And I really liked what I saw out of AJ last season. Um, I thought he showed a lot as both a passer and uh, some, some real mobility as a runner, which is especially nice at his size because he's a pretty big dude, but it's so nice that he's a red shirt freshman and Health willing for JT, knock on every available piece of wood or wood-like substance within your area. Um, hopefully he just doesn't have to play. Hopefully he can get an additional year to just develop and practice and get better. And we don't ever have to think about how good can AJ Paget be in his second season on campus. Like it can just be like, yeah, you know, he's a he can maybe that maybe they'll blow somebody out and he can get some garbage time reps. Ha, huh, what a dream. Uh but yeah, hopefully that's all we have to say about him the entire season. Yeah, and it's interesting because as you kind of say that, I'm like, I'm picturing where we would be if there was no JT Daniels on this roster and we brought in, you know, Joe Journeyman quarterback that did a couple things, but, you know, we don't know. We'd kind of be having the same conversation that we had last year about TJ McMahon like man he's raw he showed some flashes we kind of have hopes but we don't know and man it's different this year and like I feel like I'm I'm giving Rice fans permission to feel differently and expect different and better from this offense because this is the new baseline and just just trust me <laughs> like things are <laughs> things are different and and it's it's going to be man, it shifts things. I, I think AJ Paget. I, as we kind of went into the off season and they were kind of like the staff and, and, you know, public comments were pretty wishy-washy and like, do we need to go get a quarterback? They're like, well, you know, if we see one, sure. But like, not necessarily, we really believe in AJ. And I think I could have gotten myself to the point where I, I bought in and I'm not saying I don't buy into AJ, AJ, but I like your point. I would rather a redshirt freshman, be a redshirt freshman and get another year. But yeah, I, I think they have a good room here. I think you have Daniels and then AJ Padgett. Uh, I don't, I don't think Shoki Etrish is probably in the cards at, at any point. I think, man, you'd like to have an experienced guy as your third quarterback, but Chase Jenkins being the guy doing scout team stuff this year, you only have four quarterbacks on the roster, which after covering rice for several years, like kind of sends <laughs> eternal alarm bells off like only four. Are you sure? Are you sure? But that's how kind of confident I think they, they feel in Daniels and Paget, And I have had zero things that have assuaged me from 
yeah. those concerns. So I mean, I honestly, feel- in the in the transfer portal era, like four scholarship quarterbacks on the roster is a pretty pretty reasonable number to have. Honestly, like if you go into a season with that, like start a season with all four of with four scholarship quarterbacks healthy, like there are plenty of of schools uh, in this era that will end up with the way guys move around going into a season with only three scholarship quarterbacks. And that will make you nervous. But four, I feel fine about as long as we don't, as as long as the, the injury bug doesn't start striking there. But Hey, I guess break class, break glass in case of emergency. You have two former starting quarterbacks playing wide receiver this year. So maybe <laughs> you, you have, do. It's two, four plus a half plus a half. So do you have five? That math works out, I think. I guess that is that a is that a sign that our we should transition to wide receiver as our next group? I maybe I I don't know if we have much else to say about quarterback. Like the, yeah, it's nice. For it is to what not it be is. An extended like, thing. I, I know it feels uncomfortable because we're like, no, we have to speculate and talk about what if scenarios. But like, I mean, if JT Daniels is good, I think this team is good. If if JT is great. I think this team has a potential that it has never had under Mike Bloomgren. Yeah. Period. Like, I don't want to get too uh, too far ahead of my skis in terms of like the conference or anything with UTSA and SMU and everybody out there uh, and Tulane. Almost forgot Tulane. Um, but they could make some noise. If, if you told me right now that JT was going to be like flat out great, I don't know that I would be predicting Rice to be in the AAC championship game, but they would be they'd be positioned for a pretty good fish finish, which But it's you know. notable because we talked about Tulane and we, we you know we we laughed a couple weeks ago pulling a Tulane. Tulane was able to pull a Tulane because they have Michael Pratt. Yeah. They had a couple NFL players on that team and they had a really good defense. I don't think the Rice defense is quite there yet. So may- maybe the ceiling is not knocking off USC in the New Year's Six Bowl. But in order to have that special season, it's hard to do it without a guy. And Rice has a guy. Man, it would be fun to beat a Big Ten team, though. A Big Ten team? Uh, yeah. <laughs> like USC. Some, someone said, I was talking with somebody on a, a podcast uh, before this uh, for uh, another AAC opponent. And I was saying, you know, at least there's only one power five opponent on Rice's schedule this year. And they said, well, two, there's, there's Houston. And I was like, oh yeah, I hadn't kind of, <laughs> I knew they were in the big 12, but I had. <laughs> yeah. That one has even... not, not really clicked a lot. I don't know if that was a rivalry, like just a little intentional slip or my mind just kind of <laughs> went past it. We'll see. Uh, yeah, I th- I, that's that's the, the short and sweet quarterback edition. May every quarterback discussion from henceforth be, wow, look at that cool thing JT did. Maybe that's how we'll open each podcast throughout the season. This weekend, <laughs> wow, look, look at what cool thing JT did. X. If, if we have enough that we can make that a recurring, that, that is a recurring segment, I will be so happy. Oh, man. Sign me up. No, I'm 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 a JT. I'm starting my wish list. All right. Other quarterbacks, former quarterbacks. Is that the natural transition? Yeah, I think so. Former quarterbacks, Luke McCaffrey, starting wide receiver, and 
do it all wide receiver. Can you kind of actually guess to ground us, uh, walk me through your emotional state uh, concerning the rice wide receiver room from like March to today. <laughs> um, probably from like uh, bullish confidence to um, uh, well, it probably is going to be okay. Because, <laughs> like, whatever else there is, uh, Luke McCaffrey is still there. And he is really good. And we know we'll get to the tight ends in a bit, but they have some some good players at tight end that will give them something in the passing game. And if you have a good quarterback, that does lift the tide for everybody in terms of uh, the passing game. So uh, I am not nearly as worried as I would be if they didn't have JT and if they didn't have Luke, but um, I don't know. Can you, can you talk me into greater confidence in the wide receiver room uh, with the number of proven wide receivers from this team last year down to one? Well, Maybe I guess I paused too long, too long to, <laughs> to be too. I I will say this, and I think it's interesting is, and this comes back to kind of like the discussion that we were having earlier about, you know, our theory of man, if Rice had a good quarterback X Y Z, I, I want to see how it plays out because I think in prior years, man, I I don't even know. We had maybe a couple weeks last year where we had like a bona fide, everybody's healthy man. Look at this wide receiver core, but maybe we haven't even actually had that for that long. We've had a lot of deep rooms and man, so many injuries at yeah. the position, but I think I'm, I'm kind of convincing myself and I guess, hear me out here that I think Luke McCaffrey is a dude like capital D U D E. Extremely. Yes. Yeah. Like dude, like I think, he should be one of the best receivers in this conference. And this is a conference that has, you know, much higher competition at that position than Rice has had in years past. There's a lot of talent at wide receiver. And and I, I say that still, I think he belongs up there because B, this is his second year, like playing the position. Like, yeah. Well, so he already, um, uh, the athletics main NFL draft guy, Dane, uh, I can't remember. I don't know if his last name is Brugler. He was like Brugler. top 15. Yeah. He had them as like, his like the 10th best underclassman wide receiver project uh, prospect or something like that. Like as a solid NFL prospect uh, on his like kind of summer scouting series list. So yeah, that's, so he's legit. That's legit. Yeah. And then I think what's interesting is if you have a, a good quarterback and you have McCaffrey, I, I think here's my theory. If you have a functional offense around those two pieces, I think you can kind of cobble together roles for your other pieces and you can kind of cookie cutter them around. I think in, you know, years past when the quarterback play has not been as consistent, it's like, Hey, no, we need like three bona fide guys at receiver to make plays and go the, like the Rosner catch to beat UTEP. Like TJ had a yeah. great throw, but you got to have guys that can just do that. 
and go above and beyond some of the touchdowns that they were rice scored against Houston, the catch and run the big plays. Like you got to have guys who could go the extra mile. I'm, I'm, I'm interested now if you have Luke McCaffrey and then you have Giovanni Johnson who like, I'm trying to remind myself, like our critique of him was always as a thrower of the football. Like when he was in the open field, that was what excited us. Cause he was yeah. so dang, just like slippery and so dang good with the ball in his hands. And so you think back to like, we haven't seen it in like what, 2020, like three years at this point. Yeah. So we've kind of out of sight, out of mind, but you got McCaffrey and Johnson as two guys that can kind of be possession. I think there's enough speed on this team that you can find guys to take deep shots too. Uh, whether mm -hmm. that's, you know, Tyson Thompson or like Drayden Dickman is legit track, like phenom that they brought in, uh, Tyson Thompson is kind of shifty. I think there's enough guys that you can kind of put into those roles and you don't need, you know, beyond yourself plays every time these guys catch the ball. I think you can get guys where you can build an offense where you have a superstar guy and the rest of it can kind of work around there. So I don't think this receiving core is as good as we wanted it to be from like a proven bona fide standpoint it's just not but i don't think if you took jt out man i'm concerned because you're asking guys who have never been the superstar before to 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 go beyond themselves but i don't like i think giovanni johnson could be giovanni johnson and i think you know tyson thompson could be tyson thompson and i think the offense can still be can work and be really good because the unit is better like some of all parts yeah. Did I convince like, you? Am I am I getting there? <laughs> most like if you like my my only hesitation with Giovanni is just that we haven't seen him like really kind of play wide receiver and like make an impact and be a guy in like actual games. I mean, he was the leading receiver in the spring game, so that counts for something, I guess. Um, but if you like if you could guarantee me right now that he would be like a solid established number two guy and like be a reliable option, then I think I would not be like, I wouldn't be necessarily like super excited about the wide receiver group, but I would be, I would feel confident that on the whole, they would be good enough for this offense to still be really solid overall. Well, it's also kind of interesting for me because you, this happens to me when I'm out of practice, right? And I'll I'll write and do my kind of write-ups and post stuff, and I'll I'll talk about the guys on the first team, the guys pushing, you know, to get up into that too deep, and we'll kind of talk about those. But also, I'll kind of close and in, roll out, empty my notebook with kind of some notes of like, man, this guy flashed, and I really liked him, and you kind of unintentionally develop kind of like, I don't know if pet player is, it's not the right phrase, but guys, guys that are buried down the depth chart that you're just like, man, I think he is special, and I'm not going to pretend I know more about football than some of these guys who've been coaching it for 30 years, but man, I think he could do something. And Giovanni was one of the guys the past two seasons where I would just watch him play scout team wide receiver and just embarrass starting rice defensive backs and be like, man, I don't, I don't know the logistics of where, how he becomes ready to like do this on Saturdays. But he was a guy that I just continually and you just kind of go through my practice notes from last year. I just kind of note out. I'm like, Giovanni Johnson is a, is like making crazy catches. 
Like he has talent at this position. So like to see that kind of backed up and then here's something else. I was talking with JT Daniels at media days and I was having a conversation with him and he said, Hey, if there's anybody who's qualified to like assess college wide receivers to know who's like really good, like NFL caliber receiver, he said, it's me. And it was kind of like, not in like a, I'm bragging about myself as a quarterback and then he just kind of starts going down the list of here are all the NFL wide receivers that I've played with going back to like Michael Pittman and Amon Ross St. Brown at, at USC yeah. and like going through Georgia, like just going down the list. And he's named like six or seven like NFL talents that he's worked with and, and like thrown to in his college career. He's like, look, like I know what a good wide receiver is. He said, Giovanni Johnson is an NFL wide receiver. And I was like, say what? I don't think I've any heard anybody say that before. And so I'm maybe I'm not saying we have to put all of our eggs into the assessment of what JT Daniels thinks in a spring and you know, five weeks of spring practices. But I will say I kind of give credence to a little that if JT thinks he's legit and he's I mean, had a great he, spring and had a good fall, like I think he's going to be more than good enough to get to get Rice where yeah. they want to go. If he's half as good as that comment suggests, then then I, yeah. I would feel pretty pretty so like he does not have to be an NFL quality quality wide receiver for me to feel good about where this group is. And so if he's just pretty solid, that that will make me feel fine. Um, and like to, to go back to what you're saying about him in practice, I think there are lots of times when you hear like either from beat writers or, uh, you know, when teams have kind of like scrimmage intel leak out and those so when you hear like practice buzz about guys and then it's uh, it goes over a period of time and they haven't made the field it often tends to be things where like you know they're inconsistent where like in his case he's new to the position or like you know they they haven't fully learned the scheme yet or whatever or you end up with uh or it's guys who who have some, you know, disciplinary or like they can't, you know, can't get out of their own way, I guess. And we have never heard any like, in fact, quite the opposite about Giovanni. Yeah, he's that, getting that, like accolades and university recognition and like he's the model citizen. Yeah. So usually for a guy like that, that indicates that it's just learning the finer points of the position that's kept him off the field. And if they're now to the point where he was high enough up on the depth chart that with the way it's cleared out, he's now the clear number two. That suggests to me that he's pretty close, if not there, in terms of the finer points of the position. So that all adding up with with him killing it at practice, I think, you know, it's one of those things you can never be fully confident in until you see the guy go out and do it on Saturdays. But I think it leaves you in about as good of a place as you could be realistically. Yeah, those are your top two. They're going to be on the field all the time. Uh, period. Uh, I think what where things get interesting is what happens beyond there. I think that the other name that we got to kind of as we go through, Matt Sykes is the transfer from UCLA that has come in and heard positive comments about his summer 
and what he was able to do so far. Uh, have heard some good things going through fall camp. Uh, he's not running with the ones just yet, but he's behind Giovanni and Luke. I think that's reasonable. Uh, it's going to be interesting to kind of see how he progresses. If he can kind of get some snaps with the first team the, over these next couple of weeks, I, I don't, I don't think that they need him to, you know, usurp Giovanni or pull somebody out of that role. But I think it would just go a long way to kind of seeing where the confidence of the staff is with him. So I think that's going to be interesting to watch. I think, He's probably the other name right now that I think is I feel comfortable as saying is going to be a part of some sort of rotation that hopefully, you know, goes beyond. I guess past couple of years has been like maybe two guys deep, maybe three <laughs> yeah. trying to get a, a full three. I think if you can get to four or five, I think Matt Sykes is one of them. I think Tyson Thompson, we talked about Giovanni Johnson as a guy who had big spring game. Tyson Thompson had a really big spring too. He showed up really well on a couple practices and then probably Kobe Campbell who man, he just, he won't go away. And I like, that's, <laughs> like he's one of those things I'm like, I don't know, man, I don't know if I fully buy in and he just keeps showing up and he keeps catching the football and like running very fast. And those are things we need, we need in, in, in receivers and players. So yeah, I think he, you know, as long as he's healthy, I think he's another name, that you put in the mix and then all of a sudden I I don't think like we said like superstar status I don't know if any of those guys are superstar status but I think you get to the point where you have man if McCaffrey is elite and we think Giovanni Johnson is going to be solid I think you can kind of sprinkle in those two or three guys and feel pretty good about the room better than I thought I was going to feel about the yeah. room maybe two weeks ago okay Tight end or running back next? Uh, well, here, let me do some empty out the notebook a little bit. A couple other guys. I think those are the ones we need to talk about a wide receiver. Yep. I do uh, have a couple others to mention because here's the thing. So if, if you're telling me we're in week three and somebody else that I didn't just name is like a big factor in the offense, I'm. Honestly, I'm probably going to be stunned like at the position. Yeah. I just don't see it. But if you're telling me we're in week eight, we're in the middle of conference play, and this guy has just emerged, I think that's what excites me about this room because I think that there's potential for people to carve out roles. So we did like we didn't talk about Braylon Walker, who like didn't exist. He did exist, but like was not <laughs> on, on anybody's radar and then goes out. What did he have? Like 120 yards and a touchdown against North Texas. So uh, he's another guy who's in the mix. Uh, Rawson McNeil, they call have been calling him baby Roz, I guess for a year and a half now and like has the frame. So six, five, one ninety three. They, they, they love them. Some tall white guys in that wide receiver room. Right. But like, they don't have their, <laughs> there, there are not many tall white guys anymore. Like he's one yeah. of the last remaining tall white guys. So I think there's potential. I think Giovanni, I think he could play, he can move into flanker and he could do a couple things. I think having a, you know, a red zone, tall guy, big body, Rossum McNeil is a guy that I would look out for. And then Landon Ransom is if you've just kind of like, haven't like paid too close attention to what is going on with rice and practices and like, the spring or now, and you just kind of been following on Instagram or Twitter and like seeing random highlight videos of someone catching a pass. Like there's a 50% chance that the person catching that pass that was like, wow, that's awesome. Was Landon ransom. Like he's just had so, 
you were talking about like kind of the drum beat, right? Of like yeah. little trickles of like, man, this was really cool. We've just had so much from him of like every single practice, like Landon did something crazy again. Okay. So yeah, he's a guy that I think circle uh, October, mid October. And I think we kind of get something interesting, interesting there. So I think those are the, the young guys that I wanted to make sure that we at least mentioned, because I do think there's potential. I don't think anybody, like I feel really good about Giovanni and and Luke having the lion's share of the the opportunity in that room, but everybody else, I think it's kind of kind of be wait and see week by week. Uh, the other ones, uh, they got a transfer um, from uh, I believe Virginia, Nathaniel Beal, who's kind of come in as a, a grad guy, and a lot of the times, you know, we might not see much of any anything on the field, but at this point, like I said, you know, you got a veteran guy and you got a room that has, I think. One sure thing and some pretty good options. So that'll be a guy I'm monitoring in fall camp. I think that's basically everybody of note that I think is going to be in play. I saved myself an update in like in week five that, hey, you forgot <laughs> about this guy. I, I So I'm, I'm mad oh, if yeah. there, there are other receivers on the roster. I think there's 14, but that's like the top 10-ish. Is that fair? Yeah, yeah. Covered, hopefully, hopefully covered all the ones that have a reasonable chance of making an impact. Yes, we'll see. Oh, and can I can I cheat a little bit as I as I trans as I transition us a little bit? Uh, We'll go to tight end now as because I was kind of out there at fall camp and just kind of watching the first team offense. And, you know, there's Giovanni and there's Luke and I'm kind of looking at uh, how everybody's lining up. And at this point, like there's so many guys who are, have changed numbers or they have, you know, just, I, I remember the big ones, but there's so many ro- names. There's a hundred and what are we? 113 people on this roster. So I'm just like, I don't have everybody's, everybody's name quite, quite figured out. So we're, we're at fall camp and, uh, I'm pulling up the roster right now because I don't even have everybody's name, <laughs> uh, everybody's number mentioned. I thought it was 14. Yeah. So I, I see 14 running around, which is, you know, I think that's kind of like, that's a wide receiver number. Right. Uh, yeah. But I'm looking, I'm looking at my depth chart and there's no 14 and I'm like, I'm so, well, there's no 14 that plays wide receiver. I'm so confused. I look and it's a tight end. His name Bo- is Bowden growing. And I think if you kind of read through any of my spring updates, like JT was like shouting on the tables for Bowden growing and good, good, like flowing first last name. So kudos to you, I guess your parents Mm -hmm. Bowden for that, but like, uh, you know, offensive coordinator, uh, you know, coach Tui has been talking about him and Mike Bloomgren and we just kind of hear more and more. And I look up and I think that he is a kind of guy that, in years past, it's been a three wide receiver set with, you know, Jack Bradley as the end line tight end. I think Bowden is going to get a lot of those snaps as the inside kind of slot presence. So maybe that means you have him and Jack and Jack is in line and Bowden split out. Or maybe you just take Jack off the field and, you know, you go four receivers out, but one of them is actually a tight end. Uh, so I, I think we talked about wide receivers coming in and making an impact. I'm like, I'm relatively certain that we have a big receiving future for Bowden growing in this offense. Yeah. And I mean, there are worse, like, you know, we'll, we'll talk more about Jack in a second, but like 
he's a guy you presume they probably is just they're just going to have in there a lot. And like, if Bowden is the the receiving threat that at least JT seems to think he is, um, there are worse things you can do, particularly against teams that if they trot out two tight ends and two wide receivers like into the huddle or out on the field, the teams that are going to choose to match up to that with heavy personnel with more linebackers, like you can do a lot worse than, than trotting that 12 personnel out there. And again, for those not super familiar with that terminology, the number, the first number is the number of backs. The second number is the number of tight ends. So, so, and then you subtract from five to get the wide receiver. So 12 personnel is one back, two tight ends, two wide receivers. But especially if you can get that kind of heavy personnel matchup, going 12 and basically just treating that other tight end as a wide receiver and, and manipulating where you put him to kind of get favorable matchups. Like there are teams at all levels of football who make a lot of hay doing that. So yeah, like there, there are some, there are some, I think fans that have gotten caught up in that at times and have been like, Oh, we should like play more tight ends and like get the mismatch. Like it's only worth it. If you, are really confident in in those tight ends to do both things because like that's where you get the versatility from and at some point if you're you can't just shoehorn a second tight end out there if he's a worse player than your third wide receiver because at that point you're just putting a worse player on the field but if you're more confident in your second tight end than you are in your third wide receiver and that seems like it might be where this team is right now you can do a lot of the stuff that you do in 11. That is your standard kind of one back, one tight end, three wide receivers. If you're more confident in that second tight end, you can do a lot of that same stuff in 12 and even have some of that versatility to make mismatches. So I, if, if they like him that much, then I, I certainly wouldn't hate seeing him and Jack on the field together a lot. Yeah. And I think it just, it makes it interesting because I think Jack is, He's kind of, I mean, I think he's he's a better blocker than a receiver. We've we've got enough data, I think, at that point to kind of see. And I yeah. I've asked him. I'm like, do you want to catch the big pass or like do you want to lay the big block? And he straight up told me, I want to lay the big block. And I'm like, you are such a tight end. You are perfect for for what Blueprint <laughs> wants to be right now. Like just so on brand. No one no one has a gun to your head. You're just volunteering and saying you want to block. That's uh, God bless you. That's great. But you know, I, I think we've seen enough so that depending on what you're going to do, especially if you're between the 20s, like if you're in the red zone, like I totally get you want Jack Bradley in there to, for all the versatility, the things he can do. He's a good pass catcher. He can block. I think that makes sense. I think if you're moving the ball down the field, I think there's going to be a lot of times where it is Bowden is your one tight end. And then, you know, maybe Tyson Thompson, the slot, Luke out wide and Giovanni kind of splitting. And then you can kind of move things around depending on what you want to do. Uh, if you want to bring Bowden and back in the line or kind of move people out and stuff. So I, I think it gives you flexibility. I think that's what's most interesting as as we've kind of watched this offense big picture. When when Tui arrived, you know, we kind of saw the beginnings of like a bit more um, creativity is probably not the right word, but a, a bit more willingness to to utilize space. I think yeah. that's kind of one of the influences that he's kind of brought with him. And I think what excites me most about Bowden in the tight end position is I think he, he, I'm, I believe that Tui is a, is a creative enough offensive mind to be able to utilize that chess piece to open up opportunities uh, for him and for other people. 
And I think that's what gets me most excited. I think that gives them another option because they've been, and I made this, this, I was chatting with him this week and I, I made the comment of like, you know, like this is, you've been looking for like kind of this guy, like since you got to rice. And I was talking about, you know, like a, a pass catching tight end that, you know, could like function as a blocker. And he said, well, everybody's been looking this for this guy. I'm like, yeah. What do you mean? He's like, yeah, like, like Travis Kelsey, like the guy who can do it all. Like it changes everything on your offense. Like your entire offense is different because they have to be able to adjust for this. And yeah. I'm not saying that Bowden Groen is Travis Kelsey, although I, I will say that Tui brought that name up and the discussion we were having about how they could utilize Bowden Groen. So draw conclusions from what you will. But I, I think it has the potential to do a lot more for this offense than just Bowden's pass catching stats. Yeah, uh, there are uh, there are basically two main schools of thought for effective offense, uh, kind of where the meta of football is across all the levels right now. And one of them is to be able to uh, do a whole lot of different things from the exact same looks whether that whether by look you mean formation or personnel um, the idea being you have a diverse playbook but you it looks the same starting out to defenses every time so they have no idea what to expect so you can catch them off guard and create a lot of big plays that way or you give defenses different looks every time but you're running the same stuff so that they never know quite what to expect but you're always running something that you're comfortable with. Like there's a lot of uh, when you're running certain run plays, if you like Lincoln Riley does this with counter in his offenses, uh, like so much of what they do, whether it's the air raid passing stuff or the option stuff or, or the, the quarterback runs, the, their offensive line is just blocking counter the entire time. And so they just destroy people up front no matter what's going on. And then they can do all these kind of different things. They uh, can keep the defense off guard with doing all kind of different stuff. The skill players, a, an elite tight end that can do both things. Well, kind of is that philosophy in one player in that you, you have that guy out there and you can line him up wherever um, but the defense never knows whether he's going to be acting as like a, another offensive tackle and just destroying people in the run game or pass blocking or whether he's going to function as basically another wide receiver. And just that, it, the idea of that is catches fans, like fans get caught up in it a lot. And oftentimes the reality of it is not like you have to be at a really high level at both things for that to be a functional light. And it's not that tight ends can't be useful otherwise, but like for right. that to have this dream, you know, it's gotta be a guy who is really elite at both. So fans maybe yeah, get we'll, caught up in that we'll more than they out. should. But if, if you have a guy that can, can bring that real versatility, then that just, it just adds so much up to an offense because you're creating this confusion on defense just in the form of one player and not even doing anything structurally with formations in person or like formations and play calling and stuff like that. Yeah. And I, he got knocked out uh, a couple games last year. Uh, I think he got an injury against USC, if I'm remembering that correctly and was out a couple. So I think just again, a full year in the offense, 
you have Jack Bradley there to to learn under. I'm I'm cautiously optimistic. Uh, the other guy that I don't well, I know we haven't talked about him on this podcast because he joined the team the day before fall camp opened. Uh, but Ethan uh, Majaro is that is that what we're going with? Uh, transfer. Yeah, it's as good a guess from, as we've got from Cal. I, I should have asked Tui for a good pronunciation. Yeah, so played under Tui at Cal. I was asking him about. Him. Elijah. I was asking Elijah. Tui. Elijah. His first name. Yeah. Yes. I was asking Tui about Elijah, and he said a happy medium between Bradley and Bowden. So, okay. Kind of, uh, he he's kind of like called him like deceptively like shifty. So I I don't know how it works for a a tight end who weighs. Oh, I guess he's he's only two hundred and fifteen pounds. Is that <laughs> do I have? Uh, Oh no! I don't even have the the right the right Ethan in the tight end uh, room pulled pulled up. My goodness, we got too many of them. Elijah, that was Ethan. Yeah. Elijah's two forty. So yeah. we'll see. I, I don't. I think he might be an interesting name to monitor. Like you said, late cycle grad guys. Who knows? I don't think we yeah. put too much stock in them. But no, you, you never want to like. We've seen these sort of guys like this coming in from I was about to say power five but that may not be true for Cal anymore sorry <laughs> bud um, at the time of recording is wait is Cal a power five program at the time of recording uh, I don't know like for one more season but they're uh, uh, TBD. TBD. yeah we'll see um, but what I will say is like just looking at his bio on the roster since he is so new for us that we don't have much other context um, he actually did play a fair, like he played in 12 games and had three starts last year for Cal. And so this is not just a guy who was like buried on the depth chart and literally never played the entire time. So if you want some optimism that this is a guy who uh, is is potentially someone who could make an impact coming in late, like he did actually play at Cal. Yeah. And a, a, another thing along the connection here with the coaching staff. Uh, I think, and we saw it a lot with the guys that Bloomgren brought in during his time from at Stanford, that connection. Like you look down the list of guys that he brought in from his prior stop, they basically all played. And it's one of those things that you have a pretty good character witness and like evaluation of your talent after like, you know, you re- re- recruit the high school kid and you hope and dream, but you see the yeah. guy play in college and he playing in your scheme, you kind of know. So I don't think he would be a late ad if he were a complete afterthought. So uh, we'll see uh, a couple other names. There's there's nine guys in this room. It's pretty busy. Uh, Matt Hall is the guy who kind of probably put his head neck further than the rest of them in camp. He was a uh, transfer early enrollee in spring and kind of a, a pass catcher can do a couple things. Uh, I don't think they've never gotten that deep at tight end. So I don't know how much he gets on the field, but uh, if he does maybe a kind of a, a backup to, to Bowden, although like we kind of mentioned, I think they kind of shift to more wide receiver heavy things. If they're having to go down to that part in the depth chart, he's one, I think he might get on the field and then past that. Uh, you're probably looking at like Jack Jagger, he Habison. Uh, he's a, a redshirt sophomore now at this point. He's kind of played a little bit 
And then you have Ethan Powell was another transfer that came in. But, you know, kind of from what I've heard and kind of looking through camp and spring, I don't think he's nearly as polished as Matt Hall was. So those are the big names. Uh, Trey Filippi, by the way, is back in the tight end room after like, I guess he he was an offensive lineman, a tackle, and then he moved to tight end. And then he like started like, was it like the Houston game at guard? Yeah, he, he played like a fair amount yeah. on the offensive line last year. He's he's now a tight end again. So uh versatile guy. But like they got enough guys in the room. But man, I think if you can just tell me you get a bulk of the snaps with the top two, I'm I'm feeling pretty good. That's as that's as good of a tight end room as Rice has had since it yeah, was sure. um Oh man, uh, who converted to running back? Why? Why is this Jordan name, Myers? Uh, Jordan Jordan Myers and uh, man, they've had they've had a couple good guys that have come through that room. Uh, Jogger Bull, another Jogger. So, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, who, what were the odds we had multiple Jaggers to talk about on this episode? Probably low, but we got there. <laughs> I think that's it in terms of pass catchers. Mm-hmm. Uh, Blockers or runners? Uh, I feel like we might as well uh, might as well do might as well do backs, and then uh, you know I don't want any. If there's one position group, both in terms of size and cunning, that you don't want mad at you, it's offensive linemen. So we'll say uh, save the best for last. I thought you were going with fullbacks. I know we were going to hear a, I mean, a, a shout if we don't <laughs> acknowledge the well, but it's you true. Know, we can put the fullbacks in the middle of the two since, you know, they're they're uh it's a, it's a hybrid role there. That's fair. <laughs> Running backs. Again, proving things that we said what did we say we got to go back and count it. I it must have been like maybe not every episode last year, but like at least 7 or 8 of like our weekly chats we said why is Juma Otaviano not touching the ball like literally all the time? And then they proceeded to not give him the ball enough for our liking most of the time. Yeah. Because we're we're selfish. And then now, lo and behold, like Juma Otaviano is going to get the ball a lot this year. Back on he top of the depth chart. Yeah. Well, starting and, running and back. When he did get the and, ball last year, uh, things went well. And so, you know. We, we certainly felt vindicated by that. Yeah, absolutely. He, I mean, yards per carry is not everything, but he was probably somewhere around five yards per carry. Uh, if I had that in front of me, he was like, he was effective uh, last year and played really well. And it's like, oh man, was it just one good streak of games? Like, he, no, he was doing this as a true freshman back in, man, was it uh, 2019? The old old Dominion game where he ran for two hundred and I think that was twenty eighteen. I think this is his fifth year. Oh yeah, or six. I think or, no, 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 six year. Gosh, now we're yeah. Juma this year, last year, averaged five point seven yards per carry, which is like stupid good. Yeah, he's he's always been a guy who I remember. It Correction, that... 5.7 is not stupid good for a running back yards per carry, but given what we've seen the past couple years of, like, 
Liam Max averaging like 3.5, yeah. like 5.7. Compared to what it's been for Rice's, yeah, compared to what it's been for Rice's backs in recent vintages, that is extremely good. And it's just, I think this may have been in 2019, because uh, it wasn't it wasn't the fresh like his freshman year when he had the big breakout performances. It was like one of the seasons where we saw this brief glimpse of him, and then he went back down with an injury. But I just remember doing uh, one of my long ago film room columns on him, and just. He's one of those guys that just has that that ability to move with such burst in like the tight spaces that get opened up along the offensive line. And then when the hole really opens up to just accelerate out, like it just he has that stuff you see from the great running backs in in those kind of environments where you just see the combination of the vision and the burst to find find the hole, find the crease and just explode through it and make something like not necessarily something out of nothing, but make, uh, you know, for a guy who doesn't have, who doesn't see the hole quickly enough or who can't get through it quickly enough when he does, that's a three yard gain. And a guy that has Juma's combination of skills can turn that into a seven or eight or even a 20 yard game. And just having like plenty of the blame, to for Rice's running game over the last several years goes to the offensive line and to the coaches. Um, but having a running back that can that can turn churn out additional yardage from those kind of opportunities when there's not a lot in front of them is a big, big thing. Yeah, and like we're starting to see like we've seen it now from Juma in this offense across multiple seasons at this point. He hasn't gotten the workload, but we've seen the production. I, it was the 2020 Southern Miss game. I think he just came out of nowhere. I don't like, and just like had a hundred yard game or something like that. It was, it was fantastic. So we've seen it for multiple seasons. And then we looked in the spring and I'm trying to remember what, I don't have the exact stat in front of me, but I was talking with somebody and they said Rice backs in the spring average North of like, I think it was seven yards a carry. Uh, between him and I guess primarily Dean Connors toting the football. And so we've seen that kind of progress. And then this has been a three yards, three and a half yards per carry offense for a couple years now. I think they got up to 4.1 or 4.2 last year. But, you know, as long as Juma has been there from last year through spring through now, this has been a an effective running game. And man, oh, man. You know, we haven't we we talked about JT Daniels earlier, but it is a lot easier to have an effective running game when you have an effective passing game. So, yep, these two combined together, I'm I'm more optimistic about the Rice rushing attack than I've been in years past. But it's like fifty percent because I really feel comfortable with Juma and Dean, who we'll get to in a second, and fifty percent just because like I don't think people are going to be able to put eight in the box every play which is a lot of how they played Rice in years yep. past. Yeah, they'll need to actually devote some resources to uh, playing them in the secondary, which, uh, and that's one of the things that that is tends to be true at kind of all levels of football, at least when there's not like a serious talent mismatch, is that really the productivity of your running game at a base level, like obviously the quality of your running backs and your offensive line does make a huge difference, but 
at a baseline, how well you're going to run the football is mostly determined by how many guys are in the box. There are nine guys in the box. You're not getting very many yards, which is fine if it's, you know, more than one and you only need to get a yard. But it's a whole lot easier to run into a six-man box than an eight-man box. And, yeah, having a good quarterback makes things easier on everybody. I'm starting to buy into it, man. Beginning episode, I was I was already pretty good, but now I'm I'm all aboard the vice <laughs> offensive juggernaut hype train. If we get I thought, there, I thought you were going to say uh, you were all in on the idea that having having a quarterback is a good thing. Oh, I mean, yes. <laughs> Let's make T-shirts. That might we're, be we're a filling, controversial statement. <laughs> That's how we know. You know, this is this is functionally radio, right? We need to be putting out the real takes out there. Like, you know, they don't want you to know this, but having a quarterback that's good. <laughs> makes your offense clip that good. clip that <laughs> rice podcast oh, host shock sports world says quarterbacks are good that's the headline there we go we're gonna run that <laughs> all, we're gonna clip that we'll run that for all future podcasts put that uh bumper as our as we uh intro and outro rice quarterback quarterbacks are good uh running backs we talked about juma dean connors is like i have been you know, is an engineer late conductor of the Dean Connors express hype train since he arrived on campus. I've been a big fan and I was frankly like disappointed with how his usage was last year and kind of bummed out. He didn't really get on the field much. He was kind of reserved in that like third down pass catchy role and had a couple plays, but was never really a part of the offense that kind of fell to uh, Cam Montgomery, I guess, did a lot of that work last year. Cam Montgomery, I guess his seven-year college career or whatever, it felt like he was here <laughs> for so long, uh, is is over. So so Dean uh, is going to be the guy. And I've been most encouraged by him because he's got a lot of work like in between the tackles. And he, C.J. Anderson said something last year, the running backs coach, uh, I guess, prior to John Settles coming in, he called Dean a slasher which I, I thought that was a great, like the best way to kind of describe his yeah. game of like, he just like one foot in the dirt and go. And I think you talked about like Juma's explosiveness. I think what, something that, that Dean does that makes me so interested is his ability to change direction, plant and accelerate uh, that makes him so effective and helps him generate those big plays. And I think if you have two of those guys that I think their skill sets are honestly probably more similar than dissimilar. This is not kind of like a thunder and lightning kind of thing. Uh, I think that kind of is going to help just for the fluidity of the offense. I think they're going to be able to do about the same amount of things with both guys in there. And I don't think there's going to be major, major shifts. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. The only, I guess, change of pace back. That's not right, Uh, but. It is. Ari Broussard is now your de facto like goal line short yardage back. He kind of found that role last year. Yeah, I think there was a, a one point. You're battering week, Ram. Yeah. Week four, I think, or five, he had like what eight or nine rushing touchdowns, and he was like second or third in the nation in rushing touchdowns. Yeah, I remember that point. Because he just had like two one yard plunges a game and scored on all of them. And I think that's what we have from our Broussard and he's good at it. So run that back, please. It's I very nice to have a guy that can do that because it's very nice to get to 
third and goal or fourth and goal or even, you know, fourth and one before that and just be like, yeah, we're just like, we're going to get that because we know if we line up heavy that this guy can get us, you know, two and a half feet. And that that's pretty valuable. Yeah, that we're going to see. I think those three get the lion's share of all the snaps. Uh, I don't think we get much else mixed in. The only kind of caveat I give is he's listed as a running back. I've seen him working with the running back, so I think he's a running back. But whatever you want to call Quentin Jackson is <laughs> just kind of like offensive, like chess piece thing. Uh, there was I, a year where the... Um... The Jaguars listed Denard Robinson as OW for offensive weapon on oh, their roster. Did that actually like he was actually listed? I uh, I knew that. I think I'm going to so. have to go dig this up. I mean, that's that's fair. I don't. Congratulations to everybody be... that I just pulled the uh, the Denard Robinson remembering some dudes on you for. Uh, Hey, I think uh, isn't like uh, NCAA football coming back? Wasn't he like one of the last top oh, yeah. guys? Yeah. There you go. Blast from the past. So, yeah, I think Quentin Jackson somehow, some way. Uh, I don't think he's going to be a big, you know, factor in the offense, maybe from game to game. But I'm just going to say he's going to end up and probably have a couple big plays sprinkled in because he's an explosive talent. So he will get the football at some point. That's running backs, uh, fullbacks, like all of, all aboard Micah Barnett bandwagon. Like that Bryce just keeps doing this. Nobody plays tight end or tight end. Nobody plays fullback in high school anymore. Yeah, like there there are occasionally some fullbacks, but for the most part, they are offensive linemen or tight ends or like like Garen Hargan. Uh, I guess he's well, the backup yeah. at, at fullback, played linebacker. Yeah, was like was a linebacker when he got to Rice. Like, didn't did not convert to fullback until I guess his second year, probably. Yeah, but yeah. It's so, just like there are no high school like there are high schools that run throwback offenses, but they're running like the wing T or even the I don't know like the. A, do people like, know what the wing T is anymore? Is that uh, just got like lost? <laughs> high school defensive coordinators do. But, That's probably true. It's it's prevalent enough against like you look at like two a two a high school football. I'm sure you got a lot of wing T offenses. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where like if you don't if you're say Giovanni Johnson's high school and you don't have a guy who can throw the ball, like you can usually find guys in your town that are fast, and so you just build an offense around dudes that are fast carrying the ball in a scheme that most people don't see very often is basically the thing behind it. But, like, nobody runs, like, the Nebraska I Tommy Frazier 1995 triple option as their as their high school change them up <laughs> offense anymore. So they're just like, <laughs> there are no fullbacks because nobody, nobody in high school, whether they're running the hyper-modern or hyper-throwback offense, like, there's no... Uh, it's just not there anymore. So you just find it. exist. You just find a guy who's not quite offensive lineman sized and can block really well. And there's your fullback. You groom them. You create, you, you build a fullback. That's Rice is just, this is the fullback factory, I guess at this point. So uh, Michael Barnett, Garen Hargan, two guys, Uh, they brought in one guy, Colin Giffen, uh, a transfer, this offense, uh, this off season, a kind of like an H back kind of in between guy. So we'll see 
through camp if anything happens there, but they got a couple dudes and between them and offensive extra offensive linemen, uh, there will be a lot of like jumbo. We saw a little bit of like that, that diamond last year. Uh, um, maybe we'll see a little bit more of that. I guess that brings us to offensive linemen. Is that a a good little like, yeah, there we go. And I guess good news or bad news with offensive line? Uh, bad news? Let's this is our last position, so let's end on a high note. Bad news is it's the it's going into the second week of fall camp, and I like don't know for certain who the starting five are going to be. Which yeah, it's not great. I really don't like that. Um, my good news caveat is. Actually, I got a couple to kind of balance this out. So both starting tackles are back. And that's, I think, realistically, the first time that's happened under Bloomgren. If you want to say like 2020 to 2021 caveat where Javon Wolford played, I guess, both seasons. But he was kind of like like his body was broken and like only played like yeah. half of the following season. So maybe. Um, but yeah, both tackles back. And then I think you have, you're locked in, you have a starting center. Uh, that's going to be Brayton Nutter. And you have a starting left guard, and that's going to be Brant Banks. And then I think that one of three or four guys is going to be the right guard. And I think by the time we get through the second scrimmage, that's going to be down to, like, it's this guy or this guy. So I think that they feel good enough. John Long would probably be the guy that, is the front runner right now came out of camp started last year, came out of spring as the front runner there and has taken the first team reps to start this year. The first, first team reps, Lavelle Dumont kind of the transfer this off season is kind of circled in with him. So I guess the good, the bad news is like, there's still some, like, I don't really know about the right guard spot, but also like, Looking through, I think the options of like what are they doing at the guard spots? If you, I think they can go too deep at both guard spots and like it doesn't get squirrely. So I think actually, nice. like, knock on wood, like this might be one of the deeper rooms that they've had. Yeah. Like, Yet. Also, I, I, I do feel better in the, I, I feel like you oversold the uncertainty there a bit. Like, you probably got. Four I did out a little of, bit. It was for effect. Yeah, you got four out of five positions nailed down, and I feel like most teams coming into fall camp usually have like one offensive line battle going on. I feel like it's pretty rare to have the whole thing totally settled coming in. So, very rarely happens. Yeah, having I guess those the frustration settled, was like everyone was here in the spring, and we're like, we're gonna figure it out, and then like for whatever reason, like so many guys were just out with like small nagging things that like the starting five, like that they started fall camp with, like basically never played together during the spring. It was kind of like, what is going on? Yeah, but they're here now. So I think those are the, those are the kind of guys I mentioned. Uh, Who else is in the mix that we haven't chatted yet? I I think they had a Fahoko come in who can play center. I think he kind of maybe center guard might be a backup there. Weston Crop, I think, is going to get a look at right guard. He's been the backup center throughout, I guess, the spring and going into the fall. And 
man, there was a, a period of time where I didn't know who was going to play center on this team. So the fact that you got Crop, uh, Fajoko, and Nutter, you now have at least three qualified centers. So I feel really good about that. And then the last guy who I'm kind of circling because this is going to going to be very instrumental for how I feel about Rice's ability to develop offensive linemen because Shea Baker was around for forever and wonderful Shea Baker. Thank you for your career at Rice and your service and playing every <laughs> position for a hundred years. But outside of him and like Clay Servan, like there really hasn't been like I'm trying to think of like a great, like, success story that's had staying power along the offensive line they've brought in they've done a good job i think for the most part hitting on their transfers they've brought Mm -hmm. in like good talent there and but it's going to be interesting so i'm looking the guy i'm I'm circling is miguel cedeno because they brought him in and they were like this guy is our guy he's gonna be a stud and i think he was with that in class of 20 uh, 2021 is that right this will be he's a, a red shirt uh freshman at this point and he's getting some some looks and has a chance to break in with and be, maybe the starting right guard this year i think if nothing else he will be either the backup to ethan onianwa at right tackle or slot in somewhere at guard so i think if if we can see him be productive maybe he's that like sixth man like ogre extra offensive lineman if we get good things out of him this year i think that has some signal for just this staff and offensive line as a group that like there is some hope and potential here for the future because i kind of i still need to see more of that development till i feel really comfortable that like this is a long-term fix and not just like they got the right pieces this year yeah um, yeah, I think you feel good about this group generally. Um, if they're, if they're truly like, you know, it's, it's, a a, a good solid offensive line, which we haven't seen a whole lot of, uh, under this staff, then that would be a great step forward. Um, but the continuity you have with like just the clays played a lot of football that you could eat even back at right tackle. Um, Braden's a guy that clearly they have had confidence in in a long time, given that they, he was sort of expected to start last year before whatever happened with him happened. Um, and I like just having that kind of reasonable depth at all these spots. Um, Cause it's pretty rare to get through a whole season without having to at least have one of the, you know, have one of your backups kind of come in and play a little bit. So you have some functional depth here that maybe they haven't had in years past. So I yeah, put Brent myself Bates, as, yeah. Well, I was just going to interject. Brant Bakes played tackle at Nebraska. So yeah. like Rice hasn't had like, there's been years where they haven't had two tackles, like two like quality tackles right. under Bloomgren. And you got, I mean, serving Ethan, Ethan, I tried to combine his first name and his last name. Onyanwa, those are two like quality tackles. Brant mm-hmm. Banks could be a good tackle in the American. And then, man, if if you like, if Miguel Cedeno is like your fourth option as somebody, a young guy you feel really good at, like that, you're talking like three ish, like good tackles, which is more depth than Rice has had at tackle yet, like under Bloomgren. Yeah. And I do want to throw, already, what, I want to throw Weston Crop a special uh, shout out because he, 
he followed me on Instagram, which uh, there are plenty of rice football players that do. Usually it's me following them first though. Um, but he followed me and I was like, that's, that's interesting. Like what's, what's the deal here? And then I looked at his profile when I was following him back and he's got uh Jiva on there for, for Jones. So uh, <laughs> I love, I love a football player who is uh, invested in the, uh, in the resident of college system, which not a lot of them are for, in most cases, very understandable reasons, but uh, I'm I'm I always love to see when when the guys on the team are are really into their college, and especially so when it's my own. So, uh, uh, shout out shout out to Weston Jones wins again. Understandable bias, <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I so that's everybody. I, I think that's all of the offense. I I'm looking through my notes here. I think we hit on everybody. Uh, I had a couple other things that I think that would just like help us flush out our thoughts uh, a little bit of more or less to kind of bat around a little bit and just kind of close things out there. Because as I was, I was like, I want to get through all these players, but I think like, and we've had some of our like big picture offensive thoughts that have kind of percolated through. Yeah. But uh, a little bit in addition. So if, if I made you pick more or less, uh, more rushing touchdowns this year. Dean Connors or Juma Ataviano? Hmm. This is an interesting one because I I feel like like it's it's the question of does Juma probably getting more carries overall outweigh Dean? Like he's not gonna get like the like I'm gonna go Juma. Because he's going to get more carries. I like. I think we might see Dean more like kind of in the red zone, but with Ari Broussard there to be the like short yardage guy, you may not get as much of the like kind of red zone effect on the touchdown total. So um, yes, given that, that, that they seemed- have they have kind of have similar skill sets, then I'm I'm going Juma here just on a from a projected workload perspective she have to pick somebody but this is kind of what i was thinking through i don't think rice has any like 14 touchdown back on the roster this year i don't no. even think yeah they might not even have a 10 touchdown back i think you're looking at a year where like juma has eight dean has seven and ari has six like yeah. i think they're like i think this is going to be as even of a like split at the running back position as we've seen yet. And like, honestly, after years of like stumping for like a more streamlined, give it to less guys, I'm, I'm kind of okay with that. And I just wanted to, that's kind of where I want, I landed. So I wanted to flush that out a little bit. The next one is do a little bit of thinking here. So 20, 23 points per game. So we're talking offense. We say it's going to be better. So the Bloom, the Bloomgren era average is 21.2 points per game, roughly. Um, so say we say, say it's going to be better. Last year was 25 points per game. So trending up, it's been better last couple of years under Tui. So I'm going to say, I'm going to set the line at 27, which was like basically like average last year nationally. Yeah. National average was somewhere around 27, 28. Uh, more or less points per game for the rice offense. I'm saying more because this is my chance to, to feel good. And like, we've done the homework. Yeah. Same. And, and just like, and how high would I have had to set the bar 
before like we're like okay hold your horses is it 30 yeah i think if you put it at 30 i would be i would be feeling maybe like uh if i went the over on that i'd be like i might be you know doing whatever the rice equivalent of gumping is uh <laughs> too hard um <laughs> For those that are not on the the, the college corners of college football internet that I am, uh, gumping is is uh, uh, when when Alabama fandom breaks contain. Uh, I will let you, uh, as you are a Rice audience, <laughs> decipher the etymology of that term. But um, when oh, when man. say okay to tie it back to Rice, when in 1954 in the 1954 Cotton Bowl, when um, Shoot, I think his name was Tommy Lewis, came off the sideline to tackle Dickie Magel uh, in Rice's 28-6 victory. Um, the thing that Lewis said when they asked him afterwards why he came off the sideline to make an obviously illegal tackle was that he uh, was, quote, just too full of Bama. Uh, so when you're just when you're <laughs> just too full, that. yeah, yeah, that was the quote, which is t- an all timer, oh, really. That's great. Um, so I don't know what the equivalent term for just too full of rice is. <laughs> that, that I'm just going to have to restrain you on the sidelines. That, that's what I'm hearing. Yeah. Um, I, if I went above 30, I might feel like I was I was being too optimistic. But if it's at 27, even knowing like if it was 25 yeah, last best year. Offensive year under Bloomgren if it's 27. Yeah. Which seems totally plausible, right? It's the best quarterback. Yeah, and they they were at 25 last year. If they were at 25 last year, there's no reason with consistent quarterback play they can't be 27 or above. I mean, I I just look back again with uh, the small sample size alert, but, like, first two games with, like, the two complete games with Mike Collins, a quarterback, uh, in 2020, 34- 34 and 30 points. Yeah. Like, I think he had eight touchdown passes. Yeah. Like, that's doable. That's, there's no reason they can't, they can't be at that. Like, and 30 points is not insane. Like, if you told me, if we come back and you tell me that they average like, um, you know, like 31 points per game, that's not wild offense. That's not wild numbers for 2023 college football so if you told me that that's what it was you came back in time from the end of the season to me right now and said that it was 31 32 like i wouldn't be baffled by that um so 20 27 feels eminently reasonable in yeah, fact it, sh- I, it should be at that level or higher that's the floor it has to be yeah it i think so to be that good yeah i i think it's more i think it's more likely that this is a 30 point per game offense than not like I'm, I would probably be willing to go that high. I think also stay tuned next week when we talk about defense. I think that has to factor into that conversation. Yeah. yeah. But so that's scoring. Uh, here's we kind of hit on this a little bit. Rice yards per carry. All right. Or which one's more or less rice yards per carry or rice players with a rushing touchdown. Okay, I guess the first part of this is to game out which players are going to score rushing touchdowns. Like you got to feel like the three I main. I think we backs nailed three running backs. To, yeah, you Luke McCaffrey. Gotta, oh yeah, and then probably JT, right? Like 
I feel like for he's most gotta, teams, I don't know like, if he's going to be much of a runner, but like I, I would like not a, be shocked if he doesn't. Maybe on one. A, yeah, on like a sneak or something. Like I figure most teams starting quarterbacks most years probably score like one rushing touchdown, even if they're not a runner. Actually, let's check. Has he? Well. JT has scored one rushing touchdown in his career. Yeah, but he's probably not as the most <laughs> okay. fleet of foot of the guys. So I think you're okay. at four for Fair sure. JT. So I think you're at four plus some wiggle room. So the question is, if we are guessing that Rice has somewhere between like a four to six-ish yards per carry, I think random chance says to it, we have at least two random guys. Like Quentin Jackson's going to score a r- rushing touchdown. Like yeah. Something, right? I pr- pop, I'd, I'd probably go... Yeah. I don't know. I think it's close. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, I'm not expecting the rushers. Same. Yeah. I like you have four probably for sure. And then between JT and insert random other player on like an end around or whatever. Uh, Braylon Walker. Yeah. So like it's probably pretty reasonable to project five different guys with a rushing touchdown. And I love how we just de facto Luke McCaffrey starting receiver as a surefire <laughs> rushing touchdown candidate. That I makes mean, me really happy. Yeah. Uh, if I mean, I would love for them to average more than five yards a carry. That would be that would be fantastic. That would make me feel really good. But uh, I'm not gonna like they can have a perfectly functional offense without that. So like, I would be happy with just like averaging above four yards a carry. So. Um, but that's not going to get them to above the above the number we're looking for here. So I'll go I'll go number of rushers here. Probably speaking of guaranteed rushing touchdown person, Luke McCaffrey, uh, Luke McCaffrey receiving touchdowns this year or receiving touchdowns by all rice wide receivers not named Luke McCaffrey. McCaffrey. Really? I just how many I've been telling how many people, different I, wide receivers are going to like have a large role is the thing. This is fair. I think I think uh, gaming it out. I think McCaffrey has a thousand yards and twelve touchdowns this year. Yeah. Like and I like I maybe that's hot takey, but I don't think it is given how good he is and how like the offense is running through this man. No, I don't think that's weird. And if I don't know if JT <laughs> plays a full season. And, but like, so if you set that if, at twelve, if JT for, throws thirty touchdowns, yeah, a third of them are going to McCaffrey. Yeah, you chalk and, up seven or eight to tight ends. Yeah, the pie gets thin. Yeah, maybe you're right. Luke McCaffrey more receiving touchdowns than all other wide receivers. Like if you if you give thirteen, if you say it's thirty, um, and you give twelve to McCaff to Luke and thirteen to the other wide receivers, that's only five for backs and tight ends, which feels low. So I I, I would go I would go Luke in the neighborhood of ten to hey, twelve. But if JT throws forty touchdowns. Perfect. If he throws it's cute. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. All right. Okay. Other rice wide receivers, Giovanni Johnson, total touch total touchdowns. Or Total touchdowns by Rice tight ends. Hmm. I'm kind of trying to terse out how we feel the distribution of activities going through this receiving core. Yeah. Uh, man, I feel like I will have so much better of an answer for this. Like, like two weeks into this, two or three, like 
not that just after the Texas game, but like give me like one more on top of that so I can get a sense of the usage here. Um, this is this is the one looking at all of these that I had the least. Like I was pretty confident in all the others, uh, but uh, this one I just do not have a great feel for. Because like I, I don't know, you could give Giovanni like five here, and see the here's the thing: get, like four under like, I don't know. under this coaching staff the past couple years, like the number two guy when there's been a guy has been productive. Like Cedric yeah. Patterson led this team in touchdowns uh, in, what was that, 2021, going back? Like, last year, you look at Bradley Rosner and Luke McCaffrey. Like, there was a year where it was like, it was like Aaron Cephas and the guys. Like, that was all there was. Yeah. And he was the only one that caught any touchdowns. And I think they're going to have, like, Luke is going to catch the most passes, have the most touchdowns, be the most involved in the offense. But I think Giovanni is good enough to be the number two like to actually be a number two. And if he's going to be in the number two, I think that means he has seven or eight touchdowns. Like, and which in 12 games, like is, is, is a lot, but I don't think it's crazy. And have we ever had, have we had a season? I mean, Jordan Myers, I don't know if he counts because he was like a tight end at everything else, but like the non Jordan Myers division, have we had a season where a rice tight end has got eight, eight touchdowns? No, I, I don't think that the touchdown totals for the Titans have ever been high. Um, it's going to be like four, maybe five. Bowden goes yeah. really good, six or seven, maybe. But I think I think Giovanni's just going to have too many targets. Yeah, if like if Bowden is just like a huge part of the passing offense, um, then I could see like him and Jack maybe adding up to about the same or a little more. Um, but other, especially if they end up in like a lot of true eleven personnel, where it's either just Bowden or just Jack Bradley on the field, then probably, assuming Giovanni like really is the solid number two that you're looking for, like I think it's probably him. They just haven't thrown to the the tight ends like in that. Like when when you get guys tight ends with a lot of touchdowns, it's either they're like the truly truly elite receiver types, which respect to. Jack and Bowden, I don't think is what we're dealing with here. Or they're the like the tr- major red zone mismatch. And you could maybe see that with Jack's body type, but that's not, he's been on campus for you know, however many years. They've never really used him that way. Maybe you see them doing that without Brad, but uh, like history would suggest that you're not, they're not just going to spam yeah. red zone targets to the tight end, in which case it's possible. Yeah, they've wanted, they've tried it at times, but I don't, I like think you're right. I think it's more, more likely that we just see an an, an increase in those outside options. Yeah, which links our last one, and the question is: JT Daniels interceptions this year, or Rice games played? So I did. I I had to. I don't know if this is cheating, but I I no, it's allowed because it, I, yeah, I I wanted to have the conversation. I silently Googled uh, JT's overall college stats uh, before this, and um, his interception numbers were higher than I thought, but his freshman season at, uh, at USC, which by far is the highest volume of any of his college seasons, he had 10 interceptions in 11, well, like 
I don't know. He's never had a season where he's had more interceptions than games played is where I'm ultimately going with this, even if the touchdown to interception ratio aside from like his first year at Georgia isn't spectacular. Um, but no Googling. Do you know how many interceptions TJ McMahon threw last year? 14. I, I refuse. He played 10 <laughs> games. He played 40 through 14 oh. interceptions. <laughs> and this is not a like, like dump on TJ McMahon. Like we knew when he going in the year, he was a risk taker. He was going to throw it around. Like they got high moments from him. We, yeah. he was exactly what we thought he was going to be and won some games because of that, but JT Daniels. Yeah. I think, I think you were right. When I kind of looked there the first time, I'm like, man, this is kind of higher than I thought, but like, lo and behold, this is not a guy who throws a lot of picks and yeah. man, the season looks differently last year. If Rice has five or six less interceptions. Yeah. So, Hard to see a scenario unless he has, like, no, I'm not even going to speak in, speak that into existence. The um, four <laughs> tipped ball game. Yeah, if he, if he like, th- throws four interceptions in an early season game and then gets hurt and knocked out for the season, then yes, sure. Um, if he's reasonably healthy the whole year and Rice plays at least a, plays a 12 or 13 game season, then it's hard to see. Uh, yeah. Hard to see interceptions higher than games played there. Which is pretty friggin' exciting. It's a good yeah. quarterback. Yeah. Just more data points. <laughs> yeah. I think that was interesting. I think we kind of got through the high points, but like big picture, we can kind of go down a list. That's, probably a couple players deep of reasons why we feel pretty confident about the offense. And I think we'll hit this next week when we talk defense, but I think I feel better about the offense than I do about the defense. I think yeah, I would I'm say still like beta testing that, but I am pretty sure that's the first time I've ever said that in the Bloomgren era. Yes. Like, which is like there, there will we'll, pretty good. Again, yeah. We'll get like there are individual players I'm pretty confident in on defense, but we'll see what the overall results look look like for them. None of them play quarterback. Yeah, which exactly. is what this all comes back to. There's no like single position on defense that where you can kind of raise the floor uh, of the, of a whole unit the way that a quarterback can. Uh, like even your most impactful, like a like a an elite edge rusher or something like that, just can't have the snap to snap impact. So in the absence of that, um, yeah, I, I feel pretty confident in the offense relative to the defense. I feel pretty confident in the offense. Weird thing What's to say that? about this run, team. Run, yeah. it, run it again and again and again. <laughs> I, we might need to rerun. I might need to, 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 to run that one again and maybe just put a little more of the, the actual motion there, which is, I feel pretty confident in the offense because there's still a lot of me that like doesn't quite is like just keep saying it. It's therapeutic going to happen. Good offense, you say, for the Rice Owls. I'm going to like start running around the press box in circles when like JT Daniels uncooks like a 40 yard bomb in the first quarter against Texas. I'm just like, remember when uh, remember when Collins threw that the bomb to Jake Bailey to set up the, the, 
the tie and the to send it to overtime and the quadruple doink game. Yeah. I was happy until you said quadruple doink, but yeah, I remember that. <laughs> like, I want to feel like that again. I want to, I want to watch a rice quarterback be a play and be like, Oh, that guy's good. We're getting there. We're a couple weeks away. Yeah. Uh, it's, we have what? Uh, more Saturdays without, is it two more without any college football? Do we only have two more Saturdays before week zero? Yeah, I think so. They keep uh, changing. Like everybody has got a different countdown. Like somebody, I need a universal ticker. Just tell me when. Yeah. <laughs> what does LSUfootball.net say? That's my go-to college football there you go. scheduling website. Um, I think it counts. But yeah, we'll um, we'll be back next week previewing the defense and then. Uh, it won't be quite time to preview Texas before that, so we'll have one more show for you in between, but uh, it's it's here. It's just about here. Normally, I would say we're in that August. Like, August is the point where the countdown scroll, like, slows back to a crawl again. Like, you feel like summer got over with really fast, and then August just drags until you get to college football. But I'm a teacher now, so uh, August tends to run by <laughs> real fast. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because, oh, God, uh, suddenly there are students about to be here. But, yeah, it's it's we're real close and we're optimistic about the offense. Times are strange. I love it. Rice yeah. fight. Rice fight. Yeah, we'll see you all back next week. This show was edited and produced by Carter Spires. It features music from Joseph McDade.